Well, brother, may God anoint you to, may God speak through you to us, and not only to us, our ears, but to our inner man. So I guess everybody pretty well knows Brother Don's from India, and so he'll probably tell us maybe some stories in with the Word of God, so. Well, greetings. Praise the Lord. Nice to see so many of my lovely dear friends again. It's been many years. Do I look like I've grown at all? Thanks. I appreciate that. Spiritually, who knows how you know much in height or breadth I've grown, but incredible afflictions over this last three years, and I'm grateful to be alive. Our brother saw me and said, you don't look any, a day older than the last time I saw you, like three, four years ago. Well, that's good, I guess, right? But um, nice to meet you guys for the first time. We enjoyed the time, and lovely to see all of you are friends. So we miss you guys often. You miss us little, probably, because we always remember you guys. You're like the, the fellowships we enjoy being around. Now, you guys always have each other, so we're not always in your minds, but we miss that fellowship. Brothers and sisters, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. You love one another. Pray with one another. Amen? Do you love each other? Some of you are looking around like, these people? Oh, I'm related to them all. I have to love them, right? But there's a neatness of fellowship. There's a neatness of blessing in the Word of God. And I'm happy to see so many new marriages. And uh, I couldn't make it to one of them. So I'm very sorry for that. I was locked down in India for more than the last three years. And uh, that was extremely challenging with its multifaceted sufferings. But um, I'm happy to be with you again and happy to fellowship. Look forward to hearing more of your stories and all of the new children and all the new marriages and uh, all of those blessings that come in fellowship with God and each other. And so you probably met the wonderful extensions to our family, our twin girls. They're now three years old and they are sure vibrant. They are full of communication and I'm very grateful for that. They have very interesting things to tell me, and it's a lot of fun. My daughter prayed for me. She said, Papa's going to preach. We need to pray for you. So I thought that was really cute. So I don't know. I think they learned that from us. We desperately need prayer. Even my children will pray for me. And uh, they lay hands on me just like I, I usually lay hands on them first, and then I prayed with them, but they, they prayed for me first with the laying on of hands. So I'm humbled. Do you guys remember me? Okay. Brother Don? Right? Some of you sometimes like pass, and you're like, oh, hi. <laughs> but um, there are very interesting things that come up in life and labor. Um, as you know, uh, we have a WhatsApp group, so anyone who is not on that group, send me your phone number, contact me on WhatsApp, because I want to keep in touch. You know, send me a picture of your lawn mowing work. Send me a picture of your steaks. Send me a picture of your children, and so on. You know, it's like, it's something to feel like we're still involved in your lives. You didn't fully forget about us, right? Out of sight, out of mind. It's biblical. The Bible says, remembering those that are in bonds as being bound with them, right? So even as I remember you enjoying your steaks, you send me some pictures and I'll, I'll remember, you know, your steaks. I'll, I'll count it a joy that you would share your dinner with me and it didn't cost you anything, right? So, and if you come to India, I'm sorry, you can look at the holy cows, but you can't eat them. 
Um, just a very different world. We have an intensity of persecution that's been rising, extreme and intense. I think hardly in the last 30 days, more than 30 people have been arrested and thrown in jail under charges of conversion. And so if they can catch anyone that's got a Hindu name, anyone that confesses to being a Hindu at any point in their life, then uh, they immediately beat you all and throw you all in jail and so on. Usually it's the mob that comes first, and then the police tag along quietly behind, and then after the mob does their stuff, then the police come to arrest the Christians. And so it's been pretty intense in the state that we used to live in and the state that we live in now, Um, but the Lord is merciful. We started a a year-long training, an equivalent of a Bachelor of Theology Excellent quality material, and we are having the brothers live with us. So the small place that we had, we were able to build up slowly but surely over these many years, and now finally we um, had this group that has the material. They gave us advanced rent, so we were able to finish off the space, and we housed in our house these 12 students. Staff were staying downstairs, uh, one family who was teaching. We were living in our second floor, and then the students were living on the third floor. So talk about intense discipleship. And for those of you that know me, Usually they call me intense. But it, how would you think about like living together, right? And, and even to heighten that intensity of accountability for these that are really, they were really far out. So it was a blessing for them that they could come into a place where things could be communicated clearly. And they chose to come. So I like that teen challenge idea. You want change? You came. You chose to come. We made everything clear before you came. We're about practical discipleship. And it's difficult. Life together is difficult. And um, a lot of teaching and accountability. So I did what none of your parents have probably done yet. Now I'm going to give you inspirations. But uh, I took the Google account and the password so that I could hold accountable. What are you searching for? What are you watching? What are you doing? What are you listening to? What apps are you opening? When are you opening them? Are you going to bed on time? Are you waking up on time? And so on. We held them accountable because um, the atmosphere was so ungodly. And it was good. They knew, like, I don't want to fall in these sins because I know that Brother Don is going to call me in next week and he's going to ask me. And I can't lie to him because I'm scared of God. <laughs> and I, he probably knows everything anyways. And so it was a neat testimony to hear that through some intensity of accountability and care, with much tears, much labor, people spoke honestly and we saw some good breakthroughs. We started with 12 We threw out two fairly quick, and we replaced them with another two, and we ended with nine. So nine students actually finished the course. So praise God for that. And not only that, but the nine that finished, they actually wanted to stay on with me. They all filled out an application to be hired on to run a business. So, I mean, that's a testimony. Most of you really love to have me for a week, or a little less maybe, right? Just Usually people are like, that was pretty intense. Okay, let's just, you know. I mean, I know you guys love the Lord, and I know we sharpen and provoke one another practically, but uh, these brothers were actually willing to, again, fill out another application to actually join and work with us, knowing the intensity of work and discipleship and the care. But I said, we want to strengthen you and mentor you in every aspect of life. So if you want to work, we want to bless you and give you that that provision whereby you can learn and work and teach and preach and learn to serve God even though you're working. That's a neat blessing that you guys have here. You've loved the Lord. You've been faithful serving him, loving him. Even when you're weary and lazy, you you repent and you're revived and you're useful in your work for the kingdom of God. And maybe we should be a bit more, and that's why we sharpen and provoke one another. But isn't it beautiful that people can learn to serve God practically? And that too, to actually work and make money and get paid for it. So 
that's a little bit of the testimony of the works that have been going on. We finished um, a year ago now, maybe uh, in September, we finished the first batch. Maybe in this next September, we're starting, when we get back to India, we're starting our next batch. So we need fellow laborers. We need help. I know I've said that every time. Okay, let me be specific. We could use anybody from like a dorm monitor to a director to someone managing and watching the kitchen to train for the restaurant because we have the restaurant running downstairs. Um, you know, anyone for anything. Any ladies can help my wife with practical blessing of the girls. Uh, a lot of difficulty when we're busy, busy with everything. But we do have a lot of opportunities available, right? I have visited you guys many times. You've never visited me once. Right? How many years has it been? Like 14 years? 10? Well, yeah, sure. 10 years. You guys haven't visited us once. Well, it's coming, it's coming. Well, my heart's overflowing and I'd love to share a lot more. Obviously, you know that the persecutions are intense. We've been under threat continually and um, we've been locked down. We've been trying to deal with even departing from the country. And America was having emergency evacuations before the whole country went into a severe lockdown. They said, you can come out of the country, but your wife and children cannot. And so I said, well, you're right. I'm not leaving without my family. And so finally, we, we got the visas and we made it here. We've applied for citizenship and so on, because once that process is finished, whether we go to prison, we go to prison together. If we're beaten together, we'll be beaten together. If we're killed, we're killed together. We won't be separated. And so that was our desire. My wife said, that's my desire. I said, okay. <laughs> Otherwise that, <laughs> you never know what can befall. But um, that's a little bit of an update. We're grateful to be alive. We've learned a lot. We had a very intense four years. I've been heavily burnt out wearing you know, 10 different hats, doing at least 20 different jobs, and I'm the only one that could do most of the stuff, and so I couldn't even delegate, and um, that too, we had a lot more sufferings in every aspect, and those of you that followed, you know, we had many legal battles against us, the government against us, but by the grace of God, we finally passed all inquiries, the court judgments against us, we fought with them, we disputed them, and they said, no, no, we don't do that, we just, our lawyer said, we just lie, we just say you were sick, that's why you didn't go to the the sentencing or, or the uh, trial and so on, and you were found guilty because you didn't go. So then they said, we just say that you were sick and in the hospital, and we'll get you a doctor bill, and you'll be done. Then we'll at least reopen the case and try. And I said, no, not a chance. They said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them that these guys did not come to deliver the papers to me. They did not inform me that they had something against me and that they brought it before the judge and found me guilty, even though God sees me innocent. And they're like, nobody's ever done that before. I said, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Like, it could cost you dearly. Like, to just go this way will cost you a little bit, but to do it right, you might pay a lot and so on. But, but I know how much the judgment they passed against me, so I said, well, I know the little bit that I'm going to pay fighting it legally is going to be a lot less than the judgment they passed against me. So, you know, I guess it's a win-win situation, even though we took a stand. And God gave grace. Another case closed. But it's just um, extremely stressful and difficult in a culture that's so full of evil and corruption. And even one of our teachers that was teaching with us had a character the same way, just gray, ungodly, worked with Gospel for Asia for many, many years, but just knew all the right words, but there's just something shady. And finally, he just uh, said he needed to go, and he left, and so on, and we were paying him huge money. Nevertheless, he said he didn't want to work. He said, I'm fed up, and so on, and that's sad. 
But uh, finally, he said, oh, I have to go. My children need to go to a school. And so he left. And he said, now I joined a new organization. So I lied to them and told them I never worked for you. I never made money. I just stayed here. And I want you to lie for me when they call you. They will call you and ask you about me and just lie to them for me. I'm like, has this guy known me for two years? He's heard me preach probably 50 sermons. We've, we've labored together. He lived downstairs in my house. Oh, I asked him for his Google account information. The second he gave it, he ran and blocked me and stopped me. And, you know, well, <laughs> you'll know them by their fruits. Don't have to flip the cockroach over to know that he's a cockroach, right? You know, God help us. He knows our character, brothers and sisters. God knows our hearts. Men might say, you're so wonderful. You're so good. You look good. You sound good. God searches the hearts. It's very hard. And you have a lot of trials in life, and all of our trials are very different, but it's God who has calculated the trials. It's God who has a perfect purpose. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we humble ourselves before him, as we desire this blessing and fellowship with him. Lord Jesus, again, we give you thanks. And Lord, we humble ourselves, Lord, with deep desperation that you would speak to us tonight, that your word would be an open book to us and you would penetrate our hearts and minds, bring revelation of yourself. Lord, we want to be sensitive to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need a sharp dividing of your word and of your spirit. Only you can search the depths of our hearts. Only you can bring clarity and conviction. And God, we want to know, Lord, what it is that you want from us. Who are we and why are we and what are we and what is our purpose? And if we are not right where we need to be, God, please speak clearly. It is your mercy that you speak very clearly. It's your mercy that you dissect and discern and expose the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, it is your love and your power. Because you have so much for us and because you have so much for us as a people and for the church of the living God, even the pillar and ground of the truth, we beg you, Lord Jesus, to speak again tonight. And we thank you, Lord, that you do stop our rushing and our busyness. You stop us in the middle of our works and you open doors and opportunities and there's seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And Lord, I pray again that this weekend, God, would just be a great refreshing and reviving These few days of meetings would be a blessing from on high that the deep issues of our heart you would search out and expose, encourage and refresh and that we would sense that we have been in the presence of God, that you've met us in our deepest need, that you've shown your provision through Jesus Christ and that we would have practical light and guidance forward. Lord Jesus, we stand in a very desperate time. We stand in a very desperate situation and you choose to use us, your people, And I pray, Lord God, as we humble ourselves together as a body, we pray that you would speak to us and through us, that we would build each other up in our most holy faith. And I pray that you would teach us to pray. I pray that you would teach us what it means to commune with you. And would you anoint us by your spirit that every word shared, every prayer shared, every testimony shared, everything preached from the word, every song, God would be carrying your presence and your glory. We're not here for man or for showmanship, not for our abilities or skills, but that we would meet with the living God and every aspect of these meetings carries that flavor. God, would you please anoint us as my brothers and sisters cook and serve as we talk together, as we eat together, as we fellowship and pray and sing. God, let this whole atmosphere in this time be wonderful in your sight. And we say it and sing it and desire it. God, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. 
for you. Lord, this alone is our cry that we would be pleasing in your sight, and it's only you that searches the hearts and reigns to try the hearts and reins, and to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Lord, would you reward us, Lord, in mercy? Would you convict us and turn us that we might be rewarded fully spiritually? You said they that pray to their Father in secret, you would reward them openly. And I ask, God, that you'd help my brothers and sisters through the busyness and the chaos of their their hearts, their minds, the homes, the the secret things, God, that you would just bring a, a deep settling of eternal purpose, a deep settling of clarity and vision, a deep settling of your purpose and direction, and that we would all be guided forward with practical guidance by your Spirit, and that we would truly love one another with a pure heart fervently, and that we would be willing to yield ourselves to you, and that we'd be used in each other's lives. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to be busy. It's easy to do many things. But, Lord, we want to be led by your Spirit that we might be the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights in the world. And I beg you, Lord God, to encourage and refresh and meet every need of our hearts tonight. Lord, in our weakness, have mercy. Speak for your glory in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Spiritual instruction for growing is a meditation for the night. Many things that God's been speaking to my heart, and it's quite scary. I've preached hundreds of messages, I'm sure, and yet every time I'm deeply sobered knowing that I'm speaking to eternal beings, and these impact the praise and honor and glory of Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. You realize that your obedience today will resound to the praise of the glory of His grace forever and ever and ever. Your life today, your little works today are going to resound and echo through heaven for eternity to the praise of Christ. We can't begin to fathom that. God, help us to get that. God, help us to realize that God is going to receive glory through our life by Jesus Christ. That's staggering. That's shaking. That's encouraging. That's interesting to us. And as we think of the judgment seat and our works being tried so as by fire, it gives us a little bit of a sobriety as to what are we living for and what are we doing and what will be the reward of it. What would be the fruit of our labor? Let us be sensitive. Sometimes God will say, sell that you have. and Go out into a place which you know not, right? You guys were sharing your testimony. Go out into a place where you know not. You left Lot behind, maybe in boxes. Praise God. Amen. And you went out on a pilgrimage not knowing whether you went. That's a blessing. It's like us as the children of God. This world is not our home. You guys are blessed. You have lovely families. You have lovely homes. I mean, God's blessed us here in America very much. But beloved, this world is not your home. You're just passing through. I pray that we would refresh each other in that, that remembrance. During our COVID time, people were dropping like flies. I don't know what it was with the issue of the intolerance of the immune system or lack of resources or people were just too slow to, I don't know. But in the beginning, a lot of people were dying and 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, just people were dying all the time and watch these funeral services on Zoom and we drop the body in a box in a, in a grave and everyone's wearing these hazmat suits, full body space suits and just like interesting. Some people were completely unfazed, untouched, hardly sick. I mean, we never got sick. If we ever had it, we hardly knew if we ever had it and if we lost our smell, we, we've lost it for other things also, I'd suppose. So we didn't really know, but it's interesting that so many people did die. 
in front of us. And it woke up the world. But sadly, as it woke up the world, most of the church started falling asleep. They weren't meeting together often. There wasn't heart-to-heart, honest communication with each other. There wasn't a desire to meet together. It was just a contentment that we're doing the service so we can just do like we've always dreamed to do. Just wake up late, turn on YouTube, watch the sermon, and we're part of the sermon, and okay, amen. (laughs) Many people have that desire, but it was interesting on how many people were interested and happy to just stay home alone and not meet together, not have any face-to-face communication, just hardly a couple seconds on a video and say hi and bye. That continued in our place up until even just a few months ago. We have two churches within a stone throw of our house. I haven't thrown rocks at them, but, but a stone throw from our house. Okay. One's a Methodist, one's a, a wild Pentecostal, prosperity Pentecostal, whatever. And both of them just opened hardly like three, four months ago. They were closed for about two years. They had no services for two years. I just stopped enough to see who is serious to seek God. I told the families, I'm not giving you any money. Like, you know, if you just came here for a job or money, that's not what we're about. And eventually, interestingly, it was only us meeting together. So students were there. We were there. We were fellowshipping. All the other families that used to come and go, they just went. Praise the Lord. And they never came back. Well, we never had Zoom meetings, so praise God. If you're fed somewhere else, you know, go Zoom somewhere else. (laughs) But um, it's interesting. But there's something that God's looking at in my life, and he's looking at faithfulness. God's looking at something for your life. He wants you to be faithful. And we need to be sensitive to his spirit, and you've heard me preach maybe a couple times, and I think in every message I've ever preached in my life, I've shared with you about prayer, talked about being in communion with God sincerely and obeying the word of God, obeying Christ and seeking his face fervently in prayer and in the word. And if you do that, your heart and mind can be aligned spiritually and you can discern what his work is. And if you're lazy in prayer, it shows you're lazy spiritually and how much disobedience or darkness and death can be in your life. Only God knows because if that light in me be darkness, how great is that darkness? It's a very sobering reality. But it's very interesting that many people are very contented where they're at without a desire to say, God, am I doing exactly what you want me to be doing the way you want me to be doing it? Especially as we think about having children. Thank God for all the young children, right? Thank God for like the next generations coming along. And what are we doing? They're not just going to do what we say. They're going to do what we do. And if we found a loophole or a liberty and we stretch it, how much more our children or grandchildren would stretch? I've shared with our brothers about marriage. I said, when you get married, think about the next generations. Because if your wife isn't going to carry your visions with you, if you don't have unity on the vision and desire and burden and clarity in the kingdom of God, your children won't carry it on to their children. And no greater sorrow that I could ever imagine in this world than to know that my own family is going to hell. Right? I mean, you know what I'm saying. And so we prayed fervently, and I shared fervently, and, you know, in in our first meeting we had this proposal this interrogation you know her family and her church leaders interrogating me and I am interrogating them I already knew everything because I had already interrogated before I came and they also interrogated me but now meeting her family for the first time in the Indian style they asked me all of these things and so I asked them things and I said okay fine well I answered their queries they were happy the second day they said now you can meet the girl and talk to her 
So I came with my probes. I want to know what's in your heart. You know, talk, tell me the truth and share with me. What is your vision? What is your desire? What is your purpose? You know, who are you? Why are you? What are you? And so on. And I knew a lot more about her than she knew about me, so I felt sorry for her. And she was too shy to ask any questions, and she heard what answers I gave to her father and mother and the church leaders, and so everyone said, okay, good, yeah, he's nice, okay, we accept you have permission to court or whatever like that. And so she's just kind of like, okay. So she only had a, one request. I won't share that request right now, but next time you guys can ask me secretly, and I'll tell you the, the one request she told me. said, what do you want in a husband? And she told me one request only. And up till now, I fulfilled that request. Right, dear? You're blushing. I can see that. God is good. But do you know we, we really need to be fervently in love with Jesus and be sober about those things for eternity? Why do I share so much about ourselves? Why do I share much about me? I don't think much of myself. <laughs> Trust me. I know me more than you know me. But I share these things because God has given some interesting truths through his word. Turn with me for a second to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and I'm praying that you would catch a vision this week, and I, I don't know how or exactly what the Lord is speaking, but concerning formulating some personal convictions, um, something for you to have a vision for yourself, something for you to have a vision for your family, something for God to help us formulate our thoughts. I don't know exactly what I'll preach to you this week. I just take the chainsaw and keep hacking away at the stump, and only God shows me later what he really wanted to make out of it. So I'm just praying fervently and seeking him fervently, and I have very many things that God's spoken to my heart. I'm carrying a deep burden, and yet I don't know exactly how the Lord will carve into our hearts. But I pray that you would catch a vision for yourself, and a vision for your family, and the vision for the fellowship. And I've studied a lot of history and a lot of churches and a lot of um, statements of faith. And I've done business counseling and helped people to formulate their, their mission statement. Who are they? Why are they? What are they doing? What is their goal? If they could summarize in a couple statements their purpose for business, their mission statement, what is that? And do your staff know it? So do your staff know what the purpose of your, your company is, your guiding principles? When you have those things, no matter what you're doing, other things might change. The way we are producing things, the way we are marketing, the way we are doing many things might change, but there's these few solid pillars in the business that we call a mission statement. In the church, we call it our mission statement, our vision. Who are we? Why do we do what we do? Now, you already know these answers, right? You live for the glory of God, and in everything we do, we are seeking for his glory. And we calculate many of our other beliefs and thoughts based on these core principles. You know them very well. If you looked up most churches that profess to be evangelical, believing on Jesus Christ, they'll share of, of the Bible and its inerrancy in Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection, and so on, and all of this, of his coming and a final judgment in heaven and hell and so on. Simple, sound doctrine. I'd like to refresh you in that remembrance, but um, I want to carry something on to you in that thought and meditation. Very quickly, you know the scripture very well, but I wanted to share this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's something God speaking to fathers. That's a very sobering thing. 
even when I wasn't a father, it's a sobering thing to have a communication from God to the heads of households or, or of men who would be communicating vision to the church, maybe communicating vision to society, people that are in leadership. And it, it shares a negative, don't provoke them to wrath. It means be honest and faithful and sincere and try to communicate. And I think that one of our greatest errors in this generation or any that have been godly that have missed it, they failed to communicate the why. And so when the church children are good or when they're doing good, when they look good, family's like, oh, they look good. That's it. And the children are kind of like, okay, we discern that. So you want us to look good. But sometimes we miss the why. Why do we want such and such in our family? Why do we want such and such in the church? I pray to help you meditate through some of these things as we think about even how to formulate convictions and even very specific and, and pinpointed convictions in your family. Who are you? What are you? And what do you desire for the future? What is your vision and aim for you know, your children or grandchildren? What do you see in life that's most important that you want to pass on to your children and grandchildren? If you don't live in the light of the greater picture, you'll miss it. In India, things might be said as a mission statement for a business. Oh, to do good, to have some uh, integrity. You know, if they use such words, usually those words aren't used, but um, make money. And so when other interests conflict with those things, you'll see what's really held to. Is it really the standard of the statement or is it just a facade? And that's what's happened in the corporate world. It's a facade. Oh, integrity, and yet they lie, cheat, and steal to get money. Well, your children will also test and try you, right? Uh, you're a church leader. Members will test and try you. You are an outstanding citizen in society. You want to do something in society. People will test and try you, and they like to find loopholes and find areas and weakness and say, I caught you. Ha ha. Well, the negative is there. Don't provoke them to wrath. Needs to be some good communications, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord means communicating clearly. Nurturing and caring for them and nurturing a vision and bringing him up in the admonition of the Lord. And the Bible says that if, if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? So there's an association of how we function in the family life that shows who we are and where we are and our strengths and our weaknesses. And if we are quick to humbly confess our weaknesses to our children and those around us, we can be reconciled. So our weaknesses could actually be a blessing and our, our failures could be a great grace to help our children to gain more understanding when we're honest about it. Sometimes we don't take our failures seriously enough and we just say, ah, well, whatever, I, I said sorry. And we just blow it off and the wounds might go deep. It's very common anyways, but there's something about having a desire and a vision and really having a life that has consistency. Let me carry on with some communications Very interestingly, through all the word of God, we hear this echoing ring. Genesis 18, 19. Let me just go through many scriptures with you on meditation of parents to their children. I pray that by the grace of God, we'll get a strong vision. It will really even change us from these days on. God said this, but Abraham, Genesis 18 God said, I'm going to show him my secret. Why? Well, he goes on to say, verse 19, for I know him. 
God says, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God said, I know. I know my servant's heart and that he will train and command and communicate these truths to his children, that his children's children would walk in it and keep justice and do judgment to keep the way of the Lord. The nurture and admonition of the Lord, right? To teach them to keep command, to keep, teach them to walk in that. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Deuteronomy 6, 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. What an interesting communication of the commands of God. They'll see it in your life. They'll hear its communications. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Only take heed unto thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thine heart all thy days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Amen. There's a very deep importance to walk with God. One thing hurts my heart. It's not just that maybe even leaders sometimes fall, but how bad it hurts the church. Not just sad that a father might fall, but that it hurts the family. And sad that many good people hear the word again and again, and yet their hearts are not changed. The hearts are not changed. And the things that are passed on are not for the glory of God. So often there's cracks in the foundation because of observation, because of issue, because of so on and so on. I'll share more about that later. We'll, we'll talk about many things. But think diligently about these things. Only take heed to yourself. Think about yourself. Think about your life. Who are you? And what is your vision? I'm studying right now and sharing through, again, a lot of people's mission statements and their um, founding documents. Uh, legal documents, we call it the bylaws, all the communications of the organization and the levels of leadership and what leaders are appointed to and what things they should do and why they should do and who's accountable to who and who makes the right decision and so on. And so all of these things are in the legal documents of the founding of an organization or a business or a trust and it gives authority. We talk about special laws within the law and these laws are put together and we delegate that authority. And if you're not walking right with God, you've totally missed exactly what he wants and you don't have heavenly wisdom. You can be distracted with a million other things, you know that. 
men and women, you know, working men, or maybe even women at home nurturing the children and homeschooling, whatever else. Things can just be blowing up that aren't so big, and things could be brought low that aren't so low. But not only individually, but God's mercifully that he speaks through each other, right? We provoke one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And we sharpen and we provoke one another. That's why we come together in the house of God. That's why we humble ourselves before God and pray fervently. And we are again refreshed in vision and we sharpen each other. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you are sensitive in your heart to the Spirit of God. Sometimes God doesn't speak twice. I taught my girls clearly. There are some things that are very dangerous and I'm going to say a warning once. And they know that. And when they hear that warning, they know that warning. But do you know if they don't listen to that warning, what comes next? Brothers and sisters, I've seen many in the church that have not heeded the warning. All the tears and years that I prayed, that I've preached, that I've whipped, that I've wept. I still see just a little slight compromise and families on slippery ground and we lose our whatever, children, grandchildren, so on. Well, I pray that you would hear today because it's God's Holy Spirit. I'm just a messenger. I don't care if you like me or not. I hope you don't care if you like me or not, but I pray that you would hear clearly from God, His Holy Spirit, eternal Spirit that speaks through all generations. And right now He says something clear to us. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things that thine eyes have seen. Unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Tell them of the glory of God that you experienced, the salvation experiences you had, the works of God you had in your life. That's what it goes on to say, just this glory that you've experienced. Let these truths be passed on. Again, Deuteronomy 6.20. Back to chapter 6, but verse 20 this time. And when thy son asketh thee in the time to come, saying, what mean, ye, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Verse 21, Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Amen. It'll come a time. I like to see my children's Lights come on when they, they connect things that they've heard and now all of a sudden it clicks and they, their eyes light up and they understand. I pray that you would really take heed. And I know you've heard the truth many times. I know you know a lot of the word of God. I know all of you are quite matured and good knowledge. But God searches the hearts. And I pray that you would take very serious account because you don't have a clue on the depth of destruction that can come in your own spiritual life or your family's life. But there's one thing important. Right now, you have a choice to search God and let him show you what he wants to do. You right now have the choice to allow God to show you what he wants to change in your life. I know we know these things. We could all share these things with each other. There's nothing special about a messenger. But if we don't hear, if we're not willing to let him search us and deal with us, I'm talking to you as a servant of God, but speaking with the voice of God. He knows what he wants to do in your life. 
And if you are willing, you will know what he wants you to do. And there might be areas of your life you haven't wanted to deal with. Doors you've kind of kept closed and you don't want him to go there. Areas you don't like to submit. Sometimes working under a boss. I don't want to do what he says. So I know if I go there at this time, he's going to make me do this. So I'm not going to go there. I don't want to hear something right now. So I don't want to see my mom and dad. I don't want to see the preacher or whatever. I want to speed down the street. I don't want to see Mr. Police Officer with his lights on. I want to do what I want to do. But I'm warning you, there's a destruction that comes when we are not walking right with God. I'm not talking some super spiritual enlightenment whereby we, oh, we all of a sudden find some little weakness in our life and now we can just be a little bit better and a little bit more like Jesus. I preached to many churches about four years ago, three years ago. And I warned and warned and warned. I didn't know what was coming. But I'll tell you, when I came back, I saw so many fulfillments of prophecies or warnings that I saw. So many that were off just a little bit. And now, so much further. And now, not even able to hear. They're so far off the cliff. They're gone. Many that have turned away from the Lord. Many that have grown weary and well-doing and thrown off prayer, thrown off communion with God and just, just in a happy church setting. May God help us to hear his voice. I'm warning you. Let him search your heart. Let him dig deep. Let him dig out those roots. I'm telling you, it's simple, but it's sweet. I'm giving you practical exhortations, and I pray to build more of a case. Um, Lord willing, tomorrow and the following days, we'll communicate more of what and why and so on. But I pray that you'd really be sensitive as we think about bringing our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How many of you men have had anger problems? You don't have to raise your hand. If you're honest, you've all been like me, or I've been like you. We, are, we have issues that come up, and sometimes we don't communicate lovingly. We can be rude, disrespectful, or, or just ornery and mean. Come on, don't pick on me. Some people say that my faces always look mean, but you do too. <laughs> we'll just ask your wife, you know, take a picture when he's angry, right? I mean, you know, when you're... <laughs> It's truth, isn't it? But it's real. But there's issues that God wants to deal with, and we can have him deal with those things and change us. And we can be open about those things. We can let God deal with us. But we hear the negative. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'll focus more on the nurture and admonition, but this again calls us to a self-examination to take very seriously, whereby our children will ask those wise questions. Why such and such, and why this and that? We're in the last days, I know. Children will resist and rebel and be rebellious against their parents, and the meism will overflow in the church. The I, the me, the my. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, right? Carried about with every wind and wave of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they... Lie and wait to deceive, but we as the children of God, but speaking the truth in love, they grow up into him in all things. But sadly, the testimony of the last days is that they'll be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Proud, despisers of those that are good, haters, heady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And the scripture says, from such turn away. Well, I think we should have thrown out a lot more people in many churches that we hadn't. If any man be called a brother, be a fornicator, adulterer, covetous, and so on, with such an one, don't even eat. 
think we should you know, rebuke this, the, the heretic you know, once and twice. And I think we've been really lenient and we haven't had good wisdom and boldness. Um, that's, that's for many, many different places and so on. But I've seen a lot of things and I'm grateful that God's very faithful to warn us beforehand. And it's the spirit that speaks expressly and clearly and God has spoken unto us by his son. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19. <clears throat> I will get to preaching tonight, but let me lay a little foundation first. <laughs> Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. I pray that you'll, you'll really hear this and again and again and again, and I pray that it will really penetrate. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 19. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, thou shalt write them upon thy doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. There's something sweet and simple about loving God and practically sharing that with others. Verse 22. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to cleave on him, cleave unto him. Then will the Lord drive out the nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier nations than yourselves. The weakness that you have will yet be for his glory, and he will drive out great nations. Hallelujah. The, the rod and reproof still gives wisdom. I'm very grateful for God's teaching us and training. And I'm deeply humbled that he allows us to search our hearts and we can learn how to function without being filled with anger. Right? I just want you to do what I want you to do and I just want to beat you for it. Right? That's not right. And God gives grace for us to see this is good and this is why it's good and this is what we need to do whether we like it or not. And it really helps to be just at peace. And like, okay, you violated the rules. There's punishment following, right? We have a vision for the business. You do what's right. And if you do what's wrong, you're fired. Most of the time. I mean, There's a lot of mercy. I'm very merciful, but I'm too merciful sometimes. And yet, uh, it's interesting on in how God's very faithful to show us. But in all of these contexts, we hear something of self-examination. We hear of communication with others. We'll, we'll have a lot more fervent fellowship in the days to come. But... Uh, Again, Psalms 78. We know these scriptures, again, like I said, very well. You've heard them many times, but I pray that you will really be sensitive. That you would allow God to search your heart. I pray that your children wouldn't go to hell because you weren't willing to hear his heart and voice. It's very real. That we wouldn't lose our own soul because of a little bit of stubborn rebellion. Right? You know, like the children, like teenage children, usually people say, oh, the teenagers are so bad and so on. I know you guys are great, all you teenagers. I knew all of you when you were teenagers. You know, like, I mean, like, 10 years, 10 years ago? Okay, fine, some of you weren't teenagers, but um, isn't it interesting on how little errors or little attitudes in the heart start to come out more and more? Right? I mean, you think, oh, yeah, I got them tricked, but then parents catch it and they watch and they know. Well, if we really care about the things of God, we're not just going to let things slide. That's what most do. 
It'll just work itself out. Just let it slide. I'm a lot more merciful on my parents now than when I was younger. I thought, oh, they're just foolish and mean and cruel and they just didn't know what they were doing. They were unsaved and all this and that. And then I came to realize, well, they were, they were desiring me not to go in the same bad direction they did. So they just beat me a little harder and it didn't really work much because the example wasn't there and the love wasn't there. But uh, you guys are blessed that you've had an example, right? Most of you have had an example of love. I pray that you won't take that for granted. 78, uh, Psalms chapter 78, verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. We'll show them to our children. We won't hide them. We'll declare the wonders of God and all that he's worked. Psalms 9, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 19, 18 Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And that daughter too. Don't let that daughter get away either. Right? That same sinful nature is in everyone. But that's only for the naughty and rebellious, right? But, uh, but chasten them when it's necessary. Does it bring pleasure to a parent's heart to punish their children? Only if they're overwhelmed with the vision of their obedience to God and the good that they know it will bring. Otherwise, it's a sad thing to to train, discipline, or spank a child. It's not something that brings pleasure to a parent's heart, except that if they really know, I'm doing this for the glory of God, and I have an ultimate vision in God, I know that you use these gentle instructions and corrections to spare them from greater destructions in the future. Amen. I mean, I'm a new parent, so if I'm wrong, you guys just say, eh. <laughs> Sorry, Brother Don, you missed it. I've always known these things, and yet I, I'm even the more saddened and sober to see all the young generations. So, right, it's been um, um, 18 years since I've known the fellowships in South Dakota. I used to labor and visit and fellowship with Keith Daniels there and a couple different places in, in South Dakota, and some other places here and there and so on. And so it's been very many years. And as I look back, as I meet these people that I knew when they were little children, now they're fully grown, they're married, they have children and all of this. And it's just amazing to me. You're joking. I stayed in one family's house and the whole family was there at the time. And now they're all grown and some of them have three, four, five, six, seven children already. And like, where did all these years go? We haven't quite caught up yet. We're But it's interesting to see some errors that really, 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 really worked a terrible end. I asked some questions about some sweet and godly friends of mine. Why were they put out of leadership? I asked some hard questions. Because I loved and prayed for them fervently, and I loved them. And it was heartbreaking to hear. But it was just a little bit of compromise undealt with. A little bit of spiritual pride undealt with, and it brought wounding. And yet the brother who was a leader was the sweetest man of God I ever knew. And he loved me and cared for me and prayed with me and fellowship with me and was always happy and talked to me. And I really appreciate that. He's gone on to glory now. But I think there's something sweetly important about remembering these little foxes that spoil the vine or these little compromises in our life or the little things where we're disobedient to God and we can miss it. Beloved, there's something very difficult In this scripture, uh, Proverbs 19, 18, 
Chasten thy son well, there is hope. Hello? There's a time. There's a special time. There's a time when it's too late. And I've had a burden for the churches for a long time to see refreshing, strengthening, clarity of communication, clarity of conviction. Who are we? Why are we? What are we doing? How can we do it together? Let's pray over our vision. Let's labor over it. Let's write it out clear. Let's say yes and amen and let's do it. And yet we've had exciting, wonderful fires here and there, some blessings, some reviving, some things where we said, this is who we are and so on. But so few have had stirrings and conviction and clarity whereby they could say, this is my testimony for our family and my wife and I have prayed and this is what we believe God leading us to and this is who we are and this is what we're going to pass on or anything. So few. Really, let God deal. And there's a time when it's too late. Too late. Too late. Right? I mean, sometimes maybe your children are growing and they're all old and it's like, oh, it's too late now. You can't go back and say, I got to spank you or go back and say, oh, now I want to change something I'm, I don't like in your life. No. Our brother's been talking about, take your hands off the wheel. <sighs> Beloved, there's a specific time. And in a very sad and sobering way, sometimes God also takes his hands off of us and says, fine, you want your ways, have it. God chastens us and there's still hope and there's time. And yet there comes times when we just dull our spirits and harden our hearts and wow, we drift. I mean, have you seen friends or family members that have just drifted on and get ruined or wrecked, a car wreck? It's so heartbreaking. But beloved, don't forget this thing. There's a time of chastening and it's because there is hope and there's a specific time in it because there is a hope. Don't spare for his crying. Don't spare for the crying. It is hard to be a leader. It's hard to be a father with integrity. It's hard to be a man of conviction in this generation. The world will hate you. Now, hello, if you say that there's such a thing as male and female, the common world will hate you. Now I have four more options on my driver's license. Undetermined, undecided, changed, unsure, pending. God help us. God help us. There's a time when it's too late. There's a time when we go too far. Proverbs 22, 6, you know this one very well. Train up a child. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a blessing that comes in stability in the word of God and instruction that will stick even if they depart from the Lord or even if other things come. God will definitely bring it back to remembrance on the day of judgment. Hello, everything you've taught, it'll come back. If you've been a faithful church leader and you've preached to people and they haven't heard it, it will come back to them. If you've desired to nurture souls and you care for them and pour energy into them and yet they still don't want Christ and they run from the church, the truth that's been sowed, it will impact them. Sometimes they might come back to the Lord. It might be a season of, of sowing and watering and watering and so on. Or it might just be finally at the final judgment day when God will say, see all of these chances I gave you. See all the people that gave practical care to your life and spoke the word of God to you. You understand there's a, there's a purpose that we have, a character that we have, a vision that we have, a discernment that we have. We have a sensitivity for God to have his way in our life. 
And when we are led by the Spirit, we are storing up treasures in heaven. We are fulfilling the utmost of his purpose for our life. Can I say it again? When we are really walking right with God, we're walking full of a spirit and all of our life and actions are storing up treasures in heaven. We're only going to be fruitful and effective when we're in his will. Beloved, I pray that you'll search your heart and let this be a blessing from you. If God chastens you, if he disciplines you, if he allows rough situations in your life, don't curse the rod, trust God. Amen? That message goes for me too. God's had me under intense chastening. I just wish he'd tell me why. At least I'm nice to my children. I tell them why they're getting a spanking. They know very clearly why they're getting a spanking. Amen? You guys are quiet. Do you believe in this, like, just sit down and talk to them? Don't ever, the rod and reproof doesn't give wisdom. Just tell them something. Okay. I know you guys. Okay. Yeah, good. Just, but nobody has even hardly cracked a smile or even blinked a couple times. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. But it's very real. God's very faithful to chasten. God's very faithful to call us, chasten thy son well there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart far from it. Proverbs 29, 17, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give, thee, give delight unto thy soul. Praise God. How about nations? Romans chapter 10, verse 19. God says, but I say, did not Israel know? For Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. God used another nation to stir a jealousy to show that your blessing is gone. Your inheritance is cut off. They knew that the time of their visitation was at hand and they missed it. The spanking came, but they didn't repent. And now finally God said, I'm going to use the heathen and show my favor upon the heathen. And you're, you're this wild olive vine grafted in, this wild olive branch, and you're grafted in. But, you know, Israel was cut off because of this evil heart of unbelief. It wasn't just a lack of belief. It was a stubbornness that they went about to establish their own righteousness and did not submit to the righteousness of God. Can I explain for a second? They were doing what they wanted to do and they were doing something right, but they were not submitting to the Spirit of God. God wanted more than what they were giving, but they were giving according to the law. Well, God wants this and this and this and this, so fine, I'm giving it. But only this far and no further. It's easy to be religious. Mom and dad want this and this and this and this and this. And if I do that, then I'm a good child. But that doesn't mean you're right with God. You might know all the good truths of God's word, but are you walking in it from the heart? That's why I've often asked you about your prayer life. How is your secret prayer life? Like my brother said, we can get up early for hunting or fishing or other things of this world. Will we not get up early to seek the face of God? If your heart is strayed, then you're not going to enjoy prayer. But if you'll wrestle in prayer, you can break through that and you can be refreshed and anchored again. But God said, I'll provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. By a foolish nation, I will anger you. And God poured out his spirit on the, the Gentiles and brought us in. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul says to Timothy, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Knowing the scriptures, even from a childhood, that finally could have the foundation to show who Christ was as he understood and learned of Christ later. Hebrews 12, 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Do you understand? You can turn there with me. Let me share with you a little bit more in this context again and bring these together in summary. Hebrews 12. I'm a very happy man. But uh, like I said, I am very sober to preach the word of God, and especially something so solemn and so wonderful to deal with the family, to deal with the individual heart and conscience, and to deal with the church, and the purpose that God has for his people. It's something so far beyond me, I feel very weak to share it. I've studied too much about it, and yet to communicate it to the hearts of men that are eternal souls is very, very hard and sobering. And so even though I might have preached hundreds of times and might have studied for thousands of hours, still I I weep with deep desperation that God would really penetrate our hearts because we can preach and preach good, solid truth, even anointed, and yet it might actually return void. It It might be resisted and rejected by those that hear it. But I trust that by his mercy, we'd be sensitive to hear. Because if you're not listening to the Spirit of God, like I said, you're going to be emptying and draining and wasting away Resource that will never come back again. Time that will never be regained. When we talk about redeeming the time, it means a transformation whereby now the time is blessing to us, whereas before it was just slipping from us. Each moment heaping up a testimony against us that we are not loving him with all. Every moment could actually testify against us that we have not been loving him with all. We've just been knowingly compromised, knowingly lazy, knowingly not caring about prayer and the word, may God help us because we do not see and know the destruction it brings, the stumbling block it is for others. I don't like lazy, dry, hard prayer meetings. Amen. And we've enjoyed a lot of prayer together and I thank God when we can be fiery and honest and where God can stir our hearts together again. But the church that will fervently pray together will stay together. We can grow through all areas of ignorance and weakness. Every family that will fervently pray together can be blessed with heavenly wisdom and revelation and understanding, and there can be sweet blessing on that household because where we're wrong, God will help make it right, and we strengthen and sharpen and provoke one another that we might be matured and faithful. Verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 12 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider Jesus who suffered the reproach, the hatred, the abuse, the sorrow and grief of the whole generation that turned against him, his own people that wanted to crucify him, and his knowing, his revelation and understanding that this was it. And he finally pled and wept over Jerusalem and said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you. As a hen doth gather a brood under her wings, but you would not. 
The day of your visitation is at hand. And it was gone. He knew the vision and purpose of God in it, and yet heartbreaking to the eternal God Almighty in Christ, weeping over his people. And the final goodbye to that physical Jerusalem. Jeremiah had the revelations of the captivity and the destruction of his people and how they would be carried away. And he understood and he saw by the vision that the people would be carried away into captivity and saw the destruction and saw the death. I pray that God by his spirit will open your eyes to see the death and destruction that can come through compromise. That whatever it is that God has given to us, we might do well and faithful that at least all of the evil that has been promised in the world and the compromise that is going to come and is come would not be because of us. I thank God that by the witness I can say that the Holy Ghost doth bear me witness. With great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, I weep for the church in America and India. I pray fervently and I trust God to revive. And yet I've seen more and more death and destruction. But you know it is the living God that I serve and I just pray, God, let me be sensitive. Let not one soul fall, if it be by my labor or prayers or cares. God, please, let me be diligent. We need to consider Jesus who endured the suffering of even his own people against himself, that even crucified him. What sufferings he endured. And we need to remember him that endured these sufferings, as verse 2 says, because of the joy that was set before him. Verse 4, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Okay, what is he talking about? You being obedient like Jesus. Jesus was obedient to the Father, even unto the cross. And you need to be obedient even unto death, and you have not yet resisted even unto blood, striving against sin. And he's communicating in this context as he talks about the fathers that would chasten their children because they desire something good for them, just of a natural thought or desire or direction. Listen in that context. Are you really setting your face that I am determined and resolved to obey Jesus no matter what? That gets more and more intense the more serious you are. The more you set your face like flint, the more you'll suffer. Praise God, but it's worth it all. Why? Well, God tells us. Because Jesus has a joy that was set before him. That was the well done of the Father and the work that he would do in salvation and for his people of Jesus being the head. This was his vision and goal, to fulfill the will of the Father, to do the will of the Father, whereby he might lay down his own life for the redemption of those whom he had called to himself. And now we are to consider Christ and his obedience even unto death and how he endured the suffering. And we haven't yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It's true that God causes good to fall on the just and on the unjust. He causes it to rain on the just and on the unjust. And we know that God's sovereign in everything, and not everything that makes us uncomfortable was a judgment from God, and so on. But if we are erred in any way, there are many things that come with sin, right? With sin comes sorrow. You might have the pleasures of sin for a season, but we know that's a short season. Some people might have a long season of joy and enjoyment in sin. But God says this, I chasten you for a purpose, 
And don't despise this chastening of the Lord. The deep dealings, the sufferings you face. I told my wife, I would feel happy if people said, I hate Jesus in you, that's why I'm abusing you. I'd feel happy. I'd be like, oh, thank you, Lord, you said that. You said that. It's when I'm abused and they don't tell me why. You know, I was like, <laughs> at least in the streets, I knew why everyone wanted to fight. And so I knew why. But God allowed such affliction and affliction and affliction and abuse and abuse and abuse. And I'm thinking, am I wrong? Am I just a disobedient child and God's not talking to me? So he's just chastening me and he's speaking with the rod. I'm like, God, what are you doing? And what afflictions and bonds might abide me? And yet... God gives witness by his spirit, but let's be ready to obey even though it might be extremely uncomfortable. How about love your enemy? Well, it means you have to have an enemy to love. You can obey Jesus. We'd like the love part, Lord, but just keep the enemies. I don't need them. Let me just love those people. No, God sometimes allows it really close, but he tests us. Why? Because he has an extreme perfect purpose in it. Let me go on. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Praise God, he loves us, and that's why he does it. It's not because he hates us. It's not because he says, you're such a little brat. You knew better, and you're still not obeying me. You know that you should wake up and pray. You're still not praying. That's why I'm just going to let your car get smashed up and you know, let your family fall apart and so on. God doesn't abuse us that way. Amen? Thank God. Right? Hello? I mean, how many times are you perfectly obedient? Save it. It's a true thing. Thank God that he's merciful to us and that he does do things and allows things, but he calls us to himself for a perfect purpose. I pray that we'd be very sensitive and sensible in that because it is his love. That he chastens us and scourges. And listen, verse 7. For if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You are fatherless and not sons. The scripture says that though he was a son, yet learned he obedience through the things which he suffered. Listen carefully, okay? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, perfect, inerrant, without sin, was tested and tempted in all points like as we are. Why? Because he was determined to do the will of the Father, and it showed it. It wasn't just some cool, casual cruise control. It was a choice he made to turn against the comfort, to bear the suffering, and do the will of the Father. That was the chastening that proved his obedience. Otherwise, you tell the little child, you do everything you want whenever you want, and I'll give you everything you want whenever you want, then it's all good. Would your children learn any discipline? No. Would they ever be disciplined? No. They might be disciplining you, right? If you give them everything they want, they'll easily go on. We had fathers that corrected us. We gave them reverence. But verse 10 says this, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Our parents chastened us for the things they saw right, and yet God, in his infinite wisdom and infinite purpose and infinite power and love, chastens us. Why? That we might be partakers of his holiness. The greatest blessedness we can experience in this world is walking right with our Father and being in his image. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable 
fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. Your obedience is tested when it's not comfortable. And God will only use us to the degree we're yielded to obey even unto pain. To obey even unto discomfort. To obey even unto death. There's a lot of tests that God brings. And we really need the leading of His Spirit. And God wants to lead us by His Spirit. These scriptures in Hebrews share with us how the Father gave the disciplines to show and bless and bless and honor the obedient and chasten the disobedient. God corrects and guides and directs, but why? That we might be partakers of His holiness and that we might have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Let me share with you a song. I think you know this one, but Oh, give us homes built firm upon the Savior, where Christ is head and counselor and guide, where every child is taught his love and favor and gives his heart to Christ the crucified. How sweet to know that though his footsteps waver, his faithful Lord is walking by his side. Oh, give us homes with godly fathers, mothers, who always place their hope and trust in him, whose tender patience turmoil never bothers, whose calm and courage trouble cannot dim, a home where each finds joy in serving others and love still shines though days be dark and grim. Oh, give us homes where Christ is Lord and Master, the Bible read, the precious hymns still sung where prayer comes first in peace or in disaster and praise is natural speech to every tongue, where mountains move before a faith that's vaster and Christ sufficient is for, young and, for old and young. O Lord our God, our homes are thine forever. We trust to thine their problems, toils, and cares. Their bonds of love no enemy can sever if thou art always Lord and Master there. Be thou the center of our least endeavor. Be thou our guest, our hearts and homes to share. Amen. May it be that we be blessed in the fellowship of Christ and in the nature of godliness. That we'd be sensitive to his spirit, that we might raise up these little children for the glory of God with the utmost of his work, his image, his likeness. And God chose to show your children that through you as parents. That's a blessing. And us that would mentor others and share with others and pour into others, God uses the things that he does in our life and our tender care for them to impact them in the same way. And Paul said, you have, you have not many fathers. You have many instructors. Many people talk to you about good things, but few people bear you, pray for you, weep with you. Like Paul said, I travail again in birth. My little children of whom I travail again in birth, that Christ be formed in you. What a care. What a passion. And may God give us such leaders in the church of the living God. May God give us such men and such husbands to stand strong in all of his work and will. I pray to be able to help you um, through your heart and through your meditations and through your excitements and struggles. I pray that in these meetings to come that God would give more practical guidance and encouragement, counsels, maybe deeper searchings and probings, but deeper healing or deeper vision. I just trust that whatever God wants, he'll do. But I pray that we'd be sensitive and I pray that we'd be willing.
Because as I said, there's a, there's a time and a season wherein God speaks. And sometimes we don't have the right heart to hear it. Sometimes even though he might call us out by name, we're kind of like, yeah, but I'm busy. I just, you know, and we just put the Lord off. I pray that we'd all be sensitive, very sensitive to his spirit because he loves us and he wants us to draw near to him. And he chastens those that he loves. Have you suffered many things? Well, thank God he can prove you more faithful with much tests and trials. If you have no test and trial, then I'd be concerned that maybe you're not walking in the will of God. Because if, you're li- if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you'll suffer persecution. And if you're seeking the Lord, the devil hates you even all the more. If you're lazy and lukewarm, he loves you. You're just a wonderful stumbling block in the church to let people feel good and religious and drift on to hell. Isn't that what the church has become in America? Not a stumbling block for the wicked, but just a stepping stone of justification. But the true church of the living God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Are we worldly, sensual, earthly, sensual, devilish? Are we walking in the love of the world? Are we walking in the love of God? We need this searching. We need this wisdom. Especially in caring for each other in these days, nurturing our families, blessing our wives and children. May God help us. Amen. Look forward to more fellowship and prayers and cares tomorrow. And we are here and look forward to time with all of you. And um, you have to send me a WhatsApp message. Okay. So even all the people that ran out, I'm going to catch them too. Send me a WhatsApp message and I'll add you to the group. I'd love to keep in touch personally. So you can send that the message to your family members. Here's Don's Indian number. So if he's ever killed, at least you can go back in the chat and read the last words that I said. Amen. Come on. You know, don't, not going to be chicken. We're not trying to raise up some wimpy, wimpy believers. You got to remember something important. I mean, so many people are like, they'd, they'd, be, they'd be sad and they'd pray for me after I was already gone. You know? we, we cry out for prayer. We're suffering tremendously. You guys are like, oh, we love you. Like, <laughs> well, the Lord strengthened us and I'm grateful we've been back now for a month. So it's been like, we can breathe now. And um, it's been neat. Our girls are flourishing in this last month. They've, they've probably learned about 500 words of vocabulary and their observations are exploding and it's fascinating to hear them speaking full, intelligent thoughts and telling us stories about home. You know, like when they were two years old, they're telling us the things they did and how things happened. I'm like, you're two years old? What do you remember of that? And it's interesting. It's amazing. And things that come in their mind and what they tell you now. So... <laughs> So you want to know anything about us? You just ask these little girls. They'll tell you something. You know, if they, they get over their shyness with you, they'll tell you something. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, with deep humility and sobriety, we say thank you for the word of God that's shining light on our path. And Lord, this powerful, fiery, searching eye that searches the inward parts. And Lord Jesus, you have a purpose for our life. And I ask, God, that you would encourage and refresh and stir and provoke deeply. And that we would be sensitive, Lord, to receive your your word, your instruction, your correction. We're not looking at others and how other people need to be applying this. We're looking at our hearts and saying, God, what can be adjusting and changing in my life that I might shine more in your image? Any area of my time that I can change? Any energy that I can give in different directions? How am I using my time? Lord, what would you have for me? I pray that we'd be very sensitive, that we would 
maybe make a written account of our time, maybe of our mind, where our mind runs throughout the days or weeks, of our money, where it goes, day by day, week by week, month by month. What are we doing to use our money wisely whereby we might redeem the time or if we're wasting time or wasting money? Give sobriety in that, that we won't waste away our life. We want to be bright and shining lights in these evil days, and there's a special visitation in the last day, special communion, special observation, special intercession, special communion with Christ and his sorrows and sufferings that works a great joy because it is a joy that's set before us because we know you. And as Paul said, the Holy Ghost also bearing me witness. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bear witness now to our hearts If we are perfect and upright before you, you would give witness to that and say, yes, peace be still. And Lord, if we're not right with you, if there's issues of our life or something in our heart that's not sensitive to your spirit and your eternal purpose, we're not here for self-justification. We're not looking at how bad our parents are, our grandparents are, our, our mother church or another church or another church. We're not here to look outside and think of all the things we've suffered You have purposes and everything, but Lord, we're here to say, Lord, what do you want in my heart? What do you want in my life? I want to hear your voice. I don't want you to pass me by. So, Lord Jesus, would you speak deep and clear to us through these days? Lord, maybe I failed in eloquence and to polish each point, but Jesus, I trust your heart has been spoken, and I pray that I would express your expression, that we would sense the severity of the moment, that we'd be very deeply moved by the things that move your heart and that we would hear your word clearly, that we would understand wise counsels, that we might teach our children, that they might teach their children. Oh, that there might be a blessing in our families, that there might be a blessing in the church, that there might be a blessing in our generation. God, don't let us cumber the ground. Let us bring forth fruits that you might be glorified. Because you said, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Thank you, Lord, for this time and this fellowship. Thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, thank you for your word. Your words in my heart tonight. Thank you, God, that you have a vision one of us, for the young people, for the young children, and the young people who don't have children, and for the children.